Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Theo Hickmet here. Friends call me Jason Zelda, singer, songwriter, and Bible teacher. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of why did the loving God create hell? I believe this is a topic that deserves a proper amount of attention. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of different views concerning this issue. And this issue very easily gets misunderstood by people in our modern day. Um, when I was growing up, English-speaking Christians, for the most part, used one Bible, King James. When we all used one translation, we were strong, we were unified, our King James Bible was respected. It was respected by both Christian and non-Christian alike. I could give you examples, but right now we're trying to focus mainly on this topic of hell. One thing that's happened in our modern day is the knowledge of the Bible, the more people have ventured away from the King James Bible and started embracing these so-called modern translations of the Bible, the less knowledge of the Bible people are getting. While these modern translations are uh, advertised as making the Bible easier to read than the King James Bible, easier to understand than the King James Bible, with better scholarship than the King James Bible, and they claim they have better manuscripts than the King James Bible. They're always comparing the modern versions of the King James Bible. They always claim the modern versions are so much better. But when you actually begin to dive in and see what the modern versions have done to the Bible, it then becomes really clear rather quickly that there is something going on here that the Christian community is not being told about. Let me give you a couple of quick examples here. On the topic of hell, the King James Bible is translated from the Jewish manuscripts. Both Old and New Testaments translated from the Jewish manuscripts. The modern versions rely on the Catholic manuscripts for theirs. The King James Bible has the word hell 54 times. The word hell appears in both the Old and the New Testament. The first mention of the word hell is in the book of Deuteronomy, which is the books of the Jewish law. The book of Deuteronomy dates back thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I've heard people claim that we Christians invented hell as a way of scaring people. We didn't invent this teaching. This teaching was around thousands of years before Christianity began. The Jewish people were preaching it long before we were. So I'm wanting to clear that up. The King James Bible has the word hell 54 times. Let's take a look at the modern versions and see what they've done. The New Living Translation has the word hell 17 times. 54 for the King James, 17 times for the New Living Translation. The English Standard Version has the word hell 14 times. The New International Version, the New American Standard Version, the New Revised Standard Version, and the American Standard Version only has the word hell 13 times. Are you seeing a trend? 
The modern versions has been systematically removing hell from the Bible. And they've not been telling Christians that that's what they're doing. If you want to understand why people have trouble understanding hell, a lot of people have abandoned the King James Bible because of false information presented against the King James Bible, claiming it's too hard to read, claiming that it's too hard to understand, claiming that it's too archaic and all you know, kinds of stuff like that. Christians are led to use these modern translations, as they're called, but they're not being told how the modern translations are changing what the Bible says. It's very important that people know what these modern versions have been doing to the Word of God. There's no excuse for the kinds of things that they've been doing to the Word of God. Here's what else the modern versions have been doing to hell. I got my notes down here, so you see me looking down. I'm looking down at my notes here. Instead of using the word hell, in many cases, the modern versions would use a different word. Sometimes they'll just leave the word hell completely untranslated. Now, you and I who speak English, we're used to hearing the word hell as hell. And when you hear that word, there is an image that comes into your mind as to what hell is. Always dealing with fire, torment, and things like that. There's an image that comes to your mind when you think about hell. The people who are behind these modern versions, they don't like the doctrine of hell. And here's the problem. We human beings, we have the freedom to accept the Word of God or to reject the Word of God. But God never gave us permission to go and change the Word of God because we don't like what it says. But strangely, within Christianity, this kind of thing has not only been permitted, it's been promoted. And there are people who have come into Christianity who don't like the Bible that we have used for more than 400 years, this King James Bible. They don't like this book. They don't like what it says. They don't like what it teaches. And they're determined they're going to not only change what we Christians think by changing our Bible, but they're also going to make a lot of money in the process. Because if you don't think there's money behind these modern versions, you need to uh, do a little bit more research. These companies are making a lot of money off these fake translations. So when it comes to a teaching like hell, they'll tend to leave the word hell untranslated. And we who speak English, we're not used to hearing the word hell in its untranslated form. There's four words in the King James Bible that is translated as hell. There's Hades, Sheol, Gehenna, and Tartarus. The average person speaking English today has no concept of what a Sheol is, of what a Gehenna is, of what a Tartarus is, or what a Hades is. But we all know, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, we all know what hell is. We all have a concept of what that is. So for the modern versions to remove the word hell from a whole bunch of verses and leave it untranslated, how can they say that's making the Bible easier to read and easier to understand when you're using a term that the average reader doesn't know what it means? For the word Hades, the King James Bible does not use the word Hades. 
it translates the word Hades as hell, so that we can understand what it means. But when you look at the modern versions, the Christian Standard Bible, the American Standard Bible, uses the word Hades ten times. The uh, English Standard Version and the Revised Standard Version uses the word Hades nine times. The New International Version at least eight times. The average person doesn't know what that word means. They know what hell means. But they're preferring to use a word that the average reader, when reading, has no idea that hell is being talked about. They're trying to cover it up by using a term that the average person wouldn't understand. For the word Sheol, the New American Standard uses the word Sheol at least 65 times. Standard Version uses the word Sheol 64 times. The English Standard, the Revised Standard, and the American Standard Version uses the word Sheol 63 times. Now remember, in the King James, the word hell only appears 54. So they're throwing in these words in a bunch of other places. And again, the average reader has no idea what those words mean. Why not just use a word that the people know what they mean? But that's not what they're doing. They're using words like Sheol and Hades mainly. The next thing that they would do with these modern versions is they would use a softer term. Rather than saying hell, they'll use a softer term. So let me grab my notes here. Here's a, a chief example. In the book of Psalms 139, verse 8, listen to what the King James Bible says. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now you mean you didn't understand what that said? Of course, we all understand what that means. When you have heaven, you have the highest you can go. When you have hell, you have the lowest you can go. And the Bible is letting you know whether you go to the highest heaven or the deepest hell, the Lord is still going to be there. That also destroys this myth that I've heard many ministers say when they say that when you're in hell, you're eternally separated from God. It's not what this verse is saying. I don't know where they got that from, but I've heard a lot of ministers say that hell is eternal separation from God, and this verse destroys that. In the New Testament book of Revelation, it said the smoke of their torment rises up forever, and they'll be in the presence of the Lamb and of his holy angels. In the presence of the Lamb. If you're in the presence of, you are not eternally separated from. So both Old and New Testament destroys this concept that if you're in hell, you're eternally separated from God. So the King James Bible says, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now the modern versions, they don't like hell. The people behind the modern versions, they don't like hell. So what do they do? They'll use a softer word, which is not going to bring to your mind the image of hellfire and brimstone. Watch. New Living Translation says, If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. Grave? Where did hell go? They took it out. The New International Version says, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In the depths? 
When you think of depths, do you think of hell? No. When you hear depths, you often think of under the sea, the depths of the sea. But as you see, they took hell out and replaced it with a softer term that does not conjure into the mind hell, fire, and brimstone. They took hell out and replaced it with depths in the New International Version. The English Standard Version, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. See what I mean? Sheol. Who knows what a Sheol is? If you're just reading this, you would know what a Sheol is. But the King James Bible makes it clear. Hell. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. And you'll see version after version, Christian Standard Version uses Sheol. Um, American Standard Version uses Sheol. Revised Standard Version uses Sheol. Uh, I'll just look at a whole bunch of versions here just using the word Sheol rather than saying hell. So what they do is they will use a softer term rather than saying hell. So the first thing, they'll remove the word hell as often as they can from the Bible. Second thing, they will leave the word hell untranslated as a word where the average English speaker would not know what it means. The third thing that they do with hell. The third thing that they do. They'll remove entire verses that has or is talking about hell. They'll remove entire verses. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 44, uh, and verse 46, you'll notice in many of these modern Bible versions, if you look it up online, it might say, see footnote, but there's no verse that shows up. They may take the verse and put it in brackets. But in many of the modern Bible versions, verse 44 and verse 46 are both gone. They took both verses out completely in most cases. In other cases, if they keep the verses in, they'll either put a footnote marker in there or they'll put the verses in brackets, causing the reader to question whether those verses belong in the Bible. Now stop and think about that for a moment. In these verses, Jesus is talking about hell. The makers of these modern versions don't like the teaching of hell. So what do they do? They just take the words of Jesus out of the Bible. And they don't tell Christians they did it. You'll be surprised how many Christians who I go up to who is using these modern versions, New International Version, Revised Standard Version, etc. And I show them where these modern versions have removed entire verses from the Bible and they never knew. They had used those versions for years and years, and they never knew verses had been taken out. Entire verses gone. They never knew the verse was gone. And the only way that they can be shown is you have to have a King James. The King James Bible has the verses in. The modern versions will tend to take the verses out. So if you don't have a King James to compare it to, if you just go from modern version to modern version to modern version, you're never going to figure out that there's verses missing. It's only when you get a King James Bible that you begin to see that these modern versions have been taking stuff out of the Bible. And the latest argument that I've been hearing from people these days is they want to claim that the King James translators were 
adding things to the Bible. I actually had a minister say that to me. No, King James translated, they were adding verses to the Bible. No proof, no evidence, just an accusation. Just an accusation. But they can't back it up with any evidence. If anything was being added to the Bible, one thing that we know about the King James translators and this King James Bible is when they had to add something to a verse, it is common knowledge that they took what they wrote and wrote it in italics. While the rest of the writing was written in normal script, whatever they had to add to make the verse understandable, they wrote it in italics so that it would stand out, so that you would know these are the words of the translators, these are the words from the manuscripts. That's called honesty in translation. And how do I know that this King James Bible that I have today is the same thing it was saying over 400 years ago? Here's how I know. Many years ago, I had to save up a lot of money and buy this. This here is a, we call it today a King James Version. When it originally came out, it was simply called the Holy Bible. It did not have King James name on it at all. We see here the title is sideways. It's going to say Holy Bible 1708. Holy Bible 1708. So this Bible here is over 311 years old at this time. And when I compare what this Bible says with what my King James Bible today says, they are in agreement 100%. The only thing that's different is they spelt words a little differently back then because the English language was still relatively young back in those days. Um, this here is a title page for this Bible. And as you see, nowhere on here does it say King James Version. I'm just going to raise it up real slow, so if you want to freeze the screen and take a look at it, you'll see it does not say anywhere King James Version. It simply says the Holy Bible, which means, which means the idea of calling this Bible a version of any kind is a relatively new and recent thing. This was not always called a King James Version. It was simply called the Holy Bible. Now, if we're going to deal with the issue of hell, we have to deal with the Bible issue because you can't follow a message like this using the modern versions because the modern versions, as you see, they have taken liberty to change, remove, cover up, you name it, the teaching of hell. They've done all they could to try to whitewash the issue of hell so that it's made less and less and less understandable. There, uh, when I was growing up, and uh, I'm nearly 50 years old now, there were two main modern translations that were about to be released. There was the New International Version, and there was the New King James Version. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the so-called... New King James Version. As you see, I have four of them here. All four of these claims to be modernized, updated King James Bibles. This is the 1979 New King James Version. Back in 1979, it was just New Testament. Let's put that on there. 1979, New King James you never hear talk about this one, and I want to tell you why. 
in a few moments. This here is the 1982 New King James Version. This here is the 1984 New King James Version. And this here is the 2013 New King James Version. Now there's one thing that these four books have in common. None of them are King James Bibles. None of them. These books have nothing to do with the real King James Bible. Nothing. They are not King James Bibles. It appears what they really are is a combination of at least seven different translations that are all mixed into one book. The first editions appear to be a combination of the American Standard, the Revised Standard, and the Jehovah's Witness Bible mixed together with altered King James Bible verses. And they tried to pass that off as being a New King James. And they were able to trick hundreds of millions of Christians into thinking that this hodgepodge collection of a whole bunch of translations thrown into one book was an updated King James Bible when it's not. Later on, they made some changes to the New King James and it appears they added a few more translations to the mix. It appears they added the New American Standard, the New International Version, and the New Revised Standard to the mix. And you end up with this. Their later edition of the so-called New King James Version. There's a problem. Just so you can see, by the way, this is a, a New King James. Open it up. So you see, Holy Bible, they got the NKJV in there. Here's the problem. You want to understand why people have trouble understanding hell? In our modern day, you want to understand why? Not only did people come out with so-called Bible translations that are literally lying to people. When they called us a new King James, when this book has nothing to do with the real King James, not translated from the same manuscripts, not translated the same way, not translated in the same style, doesn't teach the same thing, doesn't say the same thing as the real King James. So how is this a new King James? Yet they called it a new King James. They advertised it as a new King James. They advertised it as a modernized King James Bible when they knew that it wasn't. Even these scholars here, let me just play it for you since we're talking about this, because I don't want people to be tricked. I don't want people to be deceived. I want you to take a quick listen to these scholars. These are two scholars who are behind the modern versions. These are two guys who are not King James Bible guys. They like the new versions. They're promoting the new versions. They're helping to translate these new versions. They're all for the new versions. I want you to hear from their own mouth tell you that they knew before this so-called new King James even came off the presses, they knew it was already out of date. Now, let me ask you. You open up your refrigerator and you see some food in there that's out of date. Do you eat it? You know if you eat it, you're rolling the dice. If it's out of date, it's no good. Yet these scholars are about to tell you that they knew that before this new King James even came off the presses, they knew it was out of date. They knew it was inferior to the real King James Bible. Take a listen. 
There's the English language changing, but the culture is changing, and uh, we need a, a translation that uh, the ordinary person on the street will understand. Uh, the Bible didn't intend that you had to be a, a PhD in order to understand the Bible. It was intended for the ordinary person. And so uh, as the culture changes and as the language changes, uh, you'll find even the, the uh, uh, updates like the new, uh, uh, new King James Bible is already out of date, uh, even if in 30 years or so. The MEV sought to bring scholarship as well as the beauty of the King James together in such a way that it, can, it passed the King James forward in a way that brought it into modern English without losing any of the beauty of the translation. The King James Version is very, very much anchored in our culture. A lot of people don't realize that, but idioms such as apple of my eye actually come from the King James translation. And there are a number of idioms that way in our, in our language. Yet, these things are slowly being lost and people aren't familiar with the fact that that comes from the Bible. And so the King James Version needed to be updated in a way that it's accessible to a modern audience. This is illustrated by the fact that the new King James came out in 1982. This was the first attempt, serious attempt, to bring it into modern English. Yet when that came off the presses, the English language had changed already so much so quickly and it continues to change so quickly that a new translation is now needed. It has been almost 30 years since the King, New King James came out. The MEV answers that call. So as you see, they promote their modern translation while on the one hand praising the King James Bible and then attacking the King James Bible claiming their version is much better or their version is the next level up from the King James Bible, but they always have to step on the King James Bible to promote their translations. So what do we have? I don't want people to be tricked into thinking that this so-called new King James version is a real King James Bible. It's not. It's a fake. Stick with the authorized King James Bible. You cannot go wrong when you just stick with the good old fashioned King James Bible. Now, why did the loving God create hell? I mean, you're not going to figure it out in these modern versions. You're not going to figure it out. So over the years, I took the time to read my King James Bible cover to cover. Just take, take the time. Don't rush. Take it verse by verse. Take it in. Try to understand what you're reading. It's not hard. It just takes a while to get through this. There's a lot, lot of reading here. It's a lot, lot there. When you read through this book, there are some things that you learn. So let's start off with number one about hell. Why was hell made? A lot of people assume that hell was made for humans. That's the big mistake. And I tell people, if you start off at the wrong place, you're going to end off at the wrong place. So a lot of people who talk about hell, they start off at the wrong place. They start off thinking that hell was made for humans. That's the wrong place to start. The Bible does not say hell was made for human beings. Humans end up there, 
but it wasn't made for us. And that's what makes hell so terrible for a human being. It wasn't made for humans. It wasn't made for beings of flesh like we have. It wasn't made for us. Who was it made for? In the book of Matthew, Jesus takes us to Judgment Day. And he lets us know, as it says here, hell was created. It says here, uh, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Who was the everlasting fire prepared for? It was prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't say it was prepared for the devil, his angels, and man. No. Hell was designed as a place to judge angelic beings. Now, why would an angel need a place like hell as a punishment? Well, it's very beneficial to learn a little bit about angels. When you read through this King James Bible, what do you learn about angels? I'm just going to stick with the things that would pertain to hell. Number one, as I read through this, I couldn't help but notice. You don't find a single place in the King James Bible where an angel dies. I don't find a single place where an angel dies. And that leads me to believe that angels don't die. It appears that when Jesus created all things, the Bible says Jesus created all things. And without him, there was nothing made that was made. So for those religions out there, for instance, that teach that Jesus was created and then he created everything else, this verse destroys what they're teaching. It says Jesus created all things, not all other things. And then it says there was nothing made that he didn't make. So if he was made, then that verse becomes a lie. But we know God's word, his real word, there's no lies in it. The King James Bible says all things were made by him. A lot of the modern versions have changed that to all things were made through him. Like he's a glove on somebody else's hand being used to do something. No, the King James Bible is telling us that he is the hand that made everything. Not the glove on the hand. He created all things, which means he created hell too. If anybody knew about hell, it's Jesus. He made the place and he knows why he made it. He knows why he put it together. And he tells us it was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't made for us. And if we don't understand this basic concept, that it is because hell was designed for angels... That is part of what makes it such a terrible place for a human being to end up. Because we are not in the angelic class. We are not at their level. They are so far above us in so many ways. There had to be a special place designed to deal with them. But there was no place of punishment made for human beings. I don't believe God ever intended for the humans to rebel. Therefore, there was no place of punishment made for humans. There would have been no reason for a human to rebel. Adam and Eve, according to my Bible, they were in a perfect environment. The earth back then had a completely different environment than it does now. Completely different. It appears the planet may have been tropical from pole to pole. The Bible said they walked around naked and there was no shame. 
They didn't have to worry about getting bit by bugs or animals attacking them. That kind of stuff wasn't happening back then. The earth was basically self-sustaining. All they had to do was enjoy life. They were not hungry. They were not thirsty. They were not in need of clothes. They were not in need of anything. Why would they rebel? Well, you understand when you read the Bible. You have an angel that came along who tricked them into thinking that God was hiding information from him. He claimed he had secret knowledge that God was not revealing to man and lied to the human race and got the human race to break the one law that God had given us. You know, there were no Ten Commandments back then. There was no thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not... That didn't come till way down the road later. The only law Adam and Eve had was this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from it. You're on a planet full of trees with all kinds of edible fruits. But this one tree, don't eat from it. That was the only rule they had. And it took an angel coming down, a fallen angel, to come down and trick them into disobeying what God told them to do. So when I read through the Bible, I find no instances of an angel dying. So that leads me to understand that angels were designed by Jesus to be immortal, just like God is immortal. They, are, they appear to be made out of a material that cannot be killed. Your gun is not going to affect them. Your knife is not going to affect them. Your bombs and your missiles are not going to affect them in the least. You cannot kill them. Some will say, well, can't God kill them? That's the wrong question. Because you have to understand what death is. What is death? Things in our dimension die. People in our dimension die. We have in this dimension this flesh. Flesh, blood, bone. In order to function in this dimension. This is our machine that God gave us so that we can function in this dimension. But once this body has worn down, the spirit that is within this body, that is causing this body to move, speak, to interact, that spirit leaves. It leaves the machine. And once the spirit has left the machine, the body, the body immediately drops and begins rotting away. But that spirit continues to live. You are not the sum total of the flesh that you walk around in. You could be down and depressed and hurting and lonely and on the verge of tears on the inside in your spirit. But on the outside, you're smiling. And nobody knows that down on the inside, you are hurting like crazy. Why? Because the real you is that person on the inside. That spirit that's on the inside. Not the machine, the flesh that you're walking around in. And death is when the real you that's on the inside leaves this machine. This machine stays in this dimension. But your spirit upon death takes off this machine and goes into that dimension where God is.
And the things that are in that dimension don't die. God doesn't die. The angels don't die. The demonic beings don't die. The devils don't die. Everything on that side lives. And they live forever. Death is for our dimension. Not for that dimension. So can God kill them? It appears he made them out of material that doesn't die. So he made them where they can't be destroyed. If you can't destroy them, then you have to do something else. Let me keep going here. So the first thing, angels don't die. People say, what, what, you mean God can't do something? Look, when you read through this King James Bible, it tells you there's several things God can't do. God cannot lie. Is that a bad thing? God cannot deny himself. Is that a bad thing? There are certain things that God can't do, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's all good things. You should be happy that God can't lie. That means you can rely on his word and don't fall for counterfeits. That's why this King James Bible in English has survived for so long. This is the word of God preserved in our language for us to have and spread to the world. It was originally written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. The average person cannot read Hebrew, Greek, actually wrote it properly. The average person today cannot read ancient Hebrew, Koine Greek, or Aramaic. See, there are different kinds of Hebrew, different kinds of Greek. So I need to spell out what kind is used here. The average person cannot read those. But the people who translated this, the 50 plus men who translated this, they could read those languages. That's why they were chosen to be the translators of this. They could read it. They chose the best words for the translation. When you hear ministers stand, stand up and they, they preach and they, they read a verse, a, a better translation of this would be, brother, sit down. Sit down. The better translation is already in here. The only reason some minister would stand up and say, you know, a better translation of this verse would be, is because they want you to think they're smart. They want you to think that there are levels ahead of you, that they know better translations than what the Bible actually says. Stick with the word of God. He's not going to lie to you. Stick with the real one. If you speak English, the authorized King James Version, don't settle for the fakes. Don't waste your time. Angels don't die. Because they don't die, there's something else that must be done. The second thing about angels, you read through this King James Bible and you'll find that good angels can turn bad. But you read no instances of bad angels turning back good. It appears that for the angels, if an angel sins, that is it. They are done. Once they make that decision to turn their back on God, there is no turning back. Satan could not turn back to God. He is incapable of doing it. The demonic beings are not capable 
of turning back to God. Once they made the decision to turn away from him, there is no turning back for the angels. That is the difference that we humans have. A lot of humans on the face of the earth have turned their back on God. They're following other gods. They're following other things or they're following themselves or they're following their inner power or whatever they want to call it. But they're not following the God of this book. They've rejected him for whatever their reasons. They've rejected him. Stick with the King James Bible. You're not going to go wrong with this book. These angels have free will, just like we humans do. Just like we humans do. Lucifer used to be one of the good angels. Of his own free will, he chose to reject God. In Genesis chapter 6, we read about another group of angels who also rebelled against God. And some of these angels chose to use their free will to rebel against God. Number three. It appears once an angel turns bad, they are incapable of turning good again. You don't find any evil angels turning back good. Let's just use these as we're coming close to an hour. I don't want this thing to drag on too long. Let's just use these and put it toward hell and understanding hell. We understand that Jesus said that hell was created for the devil and his angels. So this place was designed to deal with angelic beings, not human beings. We learned that angels don't die. Once an angel turns evil, there's no turning back good. Angels have powers and abilities that we humans don't have. If you encountered an angel, you would think you were encountering a god. Because of their knowledge, because of their powers, because of their abilities, you would think that you were in the presence of a god. The normal reaction of a human being in the King James Bible when they come in contact with an angel is they fall to their knees. They bow down. Because they realize, and it doesn't take long, they realize that they're in the presence of a superior being. And the angels of God will not allow you to bow down and worship them. They will not allow you to bow down to them. Evil angels, they will because they know they have nothing to lose. They're already doomed. The angels of God will not allow you to bow down to them. What did uh, Lucifer try to do with Jesus during the, the time when Jesus was fasting? He told Jesus, if thou be the son of God, why don't you bow down and worship me? You know, you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. What does he want Jesus to do? He wants Jesus to bow down and worship him. But Jesus wasn't bowing. There's something different about this man. Other, other humans bow down. He ain't bowing. That's because he wasn't just a man. Jesus Christ was God Almighty. He ain't bowing down. Ain't gonna do it. Why does hell last forever? Whenever you have a question about hell, always start off here. Hell was created for angels. Always start off there. If you start off with hell was created for humans, you're going to be in the wrong place. Start off with hell was created for angels and go there. Go from there. So why does hell last forever? Hell was designed for angels. Number one, angels don't die. Therefore, since you can't kill them, you have to contain them. 
Hell is a place designed especially for those of the angelic class to contain them so that they can't get out. Why? Because once an angel turns bad, they are incapable of turning good again. So once they're bad, you need to put them into a containment to where they can't get out. Because if they get out, well, they're just as evil when they come out as they were when they went in. And you're right back where you started from. Hell was designed to contain these angels so that once they're there, there's no leaving, which means they're not there yet. The angels are not in hell yet. There's only a small group of them that are there at the moment. The majority of the evil angels are not in hell yet. They're not going until after Judgment Day. They are still roaming this earth and this universe, wreaking havoc and causing evil everywhere. But on Judgment Day, it's all going to be judged, and then they'll be sentenced to hell. And once they're in hell, they are not getting out. Jesus, who created this universe, he made it for us. And Adam and Eve was given a choice. They were given a choice of the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were told, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not forbidden to eat from the tree of life until they made the wrong decision. If they would have eaten from the tree of life first, they would have become immortal. They would have become like the angels. You couldn't kill them. You couldn't kill their offspring either if they would have eaten from the tree of life. All of us would be immortal beings without sin. It would be a completely different world. If you're immortal, you can live anywhere. You can live on any planet. No matter how hot, no matter how cold, whether it has water or doesn't have water, if you're immortal, you can't die, nothing can kill you. You're not going to starve to death. You're not going to thirst to death. You're not going to burn to death. You're not going to... Nothing. You can't die. That was the choice they were given. Life, immortality, or tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all the death and suffering and sin that comes with it. They made the wrong choice. All that universe out there, all that beauty that's out there, all that amazing stuff that's out there that we were meant to go out there and explore can't do it. Adam and Eve made the wrong choice and they passed on to us death. So we try to go out there, we die. We risk death every time we try to go out there. So when this is all said and done, and he wipes all this stuff out, the Bible says he's making a new heaven and a new earth right now. If we think this universe is great, a lot of beautiful stuff here. The Bible said it only took him six days to make all this. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus went away saying, I'm going away to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. If this is only six days worth of work, this universe, can you imagine what over nearly 2,000 years worth of work is going to look like? Do you want to miss that? I don't think you want to miss that. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the new earth. And then it talks about something called the New Jerusalem, a massive city. I sort of envision this like a huge mothership, massive structure coming down out of heaven, down to this new earth. 
and its measurements is massive, like thousand plus miles this way, a thousand plus miles this way. It's just huge in, inside the Bible is describing it. But the thing that I like the most is it says, and God shall dwell with them. And he shall be their God and they shall be his people. Which means when all this is said and done, this universe is going to be wiped out. This planet is going to be wiped out. There will be a new heaven, which means a whole new universe, folks. New universe. New planets you've never seen before. New galaxies you've never seen before. New stuff up there you've never seen before. A whole new earth. Is it going to be bigger than this one? Probably. All the laws that we gravity and all this means nothing in that dimension. It's all going to be brand new. Everything's going to be brand new. And the last thing that God would want is for these evil angels to be roaming around wreaking havoc and turning this new heaven and new earth into what this dimension is full of sin and death and sickness and misery. So those angels needed a place. Since you can't kill them, they needed a place where they would be contained. That no matter what their powers are, they're not going to overpower hell. No matter how smart they are, they're not going to figure out the combination to escape hell. Some say, well, why is it that the humans go to hell how come we couldn't have a time limit and they have no time limit? How come humans can just go? How, how come it couldn't be that humans could go there and just, just you know, serve out a little bit of time, depending on the sin that were done. But for the angels, they have to pay, you know, forever and ever. It wouldn't be fair. It would be the same thing if a rich man committed a crime and a poor man committed the exact same crime. The crime is the crime. It's the exact same thing. So why should the rich man get off easy and the poor man have to serve extra time? It's the same crime. In God's eyes, sin is sin is sin. The sin that the angels did is no different than the sins the human did. The sins of the angels is they rebelled against him. The sins of the humans is they rebelled against him. What's the difference? It's sin. But here's the difference, folks. Here's the big difference. The angels, there's no mercy for them. They're without excuse. They stood in the presence of God. They know he exists. They know his power. They know his ability. And they rebelled against him anyway. We human beings, for the most part, we've never stood before God. There's only a few people in the Bible mentioned being able to stand before God. And those who spoke to Jesus, because Jesus allowed his glory to be left in heaven so that we could approach him and not die. But he cares about us human beings far more than he does these angels. And what he's done for us humans, just stop and think about it. The God who never got tired. Because in his heavenly body, you don't get tired. But he took on a human body that does get tired. The God who never had to sleep took on a human body that requires sleep in order to function. The God who never had to sweat 
took on a human body that did sweat. The God who never had to be subject to the humiliation of using a toilet. Whatever kind of toilets they had back in the days Jesus walked this earth. Had to humble himself and put on a human body like us. And go through the humiliation of sitting on the toilet. The God who was worshipped and praised all the time in heaven came down to this earth and put on a human body where to this day his holy name of Jesus Christ is used as a curse word and used as a way of showing frustration and used as a way of putting people down. When you understand that he didn't have to do any of this, he could have just killed us all. But he didn't. Instead, he decided to show us mercy. He decided to show us what the King James Bible calls grace. Grace. He humbled himself and came down to this earth as a human being, but without sin. He lived with us. He talked with us. He showed us how to get along. He gave us his words. And what do we do with his words? They rewrite them. But guess what? He made sure that we had access to his real words. So that you don't have to accept counterfeits. This here is a so-called New Testament by Johannes Grieber, a counterfeit Bible. New Testament by Johannes Grieber. It's not a New Testament. It's not a New Testament. The guy admitted that he wrote that Bible version using trances and seances, communicating with the spirit world. It's not a Bible. It's a fake. He's given us access to his words. His holy words. And in our day and age, sadly, there are people turning their back on this holy Bible, this King James Bible, and they're embracing these other versions. Versions that are deceiving them and misleading them concerning hell. Hell was not made for humans. Hell was made for angels. It was made as a place to judge angels. Why does it last forever? Because angels live forever. Once an angel turns evil, there's no turning back good. Since you can't kill an angel, the angels had to be contained. Hell is designed to contain them. To hold them so they can't get out. They're not there in hell yet. That's why this world is as evil as it is now. There are people who allow their bodies to be taken by these beings to be used to do evil things. But there's coming a day when Jesus is going to judge it all. And these evil angels once and for all are going to be dealt with. Why is hell fire? How come it couldn't be something else? Again, you start off with the same thing. Hell was originally created for angels. Angels, once they turn bad, are incapable of turning good. Since you can't kill them, they have to be contained. What are angels made out of? 
When you read through the King James Bible, it appears that angels are made out of some form of interdimensional fire. It appears they are beings of living fire. So when Adam and Eve sinned, remember the Bible tells us God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he judged Adam and Eve, what was part of their judgment? Part of their judgment was, from the dust thou came to the dust thou shalt return, right? So we who came from the dust, our bodies came from the dust, the Bible tells us. So our bodies have to return to the dust. And our spirit goes back to the God who made it to be judged. So if we who came from the dust, our bodies, have to go back to the dust, could it be as simple as hell is fire because it was designed for angels and angels are beings that are made out of interdimensional fire? Dust to dust for us, fire to fire for them because they are beings of fire. How does hell affect an angel? I don't know. They're beings of fire. Is it going to affect them? The Bible focuses on how hell affects us because we are not designed to be there. It's like if you crash landed on a fiery alien planet and you can't leave. You're stuck there and you can't die. You are forever stuck on this alien world where the aliens of that world hate your guts because you don't belong there. You're not one of them. All your weeping and gnashing of teeth, they don't want to hear that. And you see, Jesus offered us a better way. He could have abandoned us. He could have. He's the creator of all things, the Bible says. He didn't have any obligation to do jack for us. Nothing. But he wanted to show us his love. But in order to do so, he had to make a major sacrifice of himself. So he left that heavenly body, put on a human body. And you know what? When you see him in the future on Judgment Day, he's going to have that same body. You'll see the marks on his head from that crown of thorns. You're going to see the nail prints in his hands. The nail prints in his feet is still there. The wound in his side that he took when the Roman soldier stabbed him in the side when he was on the cross, it's still there. All the pain and suffering that he went through in order to make sure that we humans had a chance to not go to hell. I don't understand all the rules of the spirit world. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do. Why did he have to go through all that? Couldn't there have been another way? Jesus said, no, there wasn't any other way. He said, if there's some other way, let this cup pass from me. There was no other way. So I don't understand the rules of the spirit world, why he had to go through all that suffering and then die in a human body in order to save the human race. But that's the story of the Bible. Because there is a hell, Jesus had to come to this earth 
because the human race had rebelled against him, and there was no place of punishment made for humans. The only place of punishment that was made was this place that was made to judge angels. And he didn't want the humans to end up there. It is too terrible a place for a human. And he knew he had to do something. And people said, well, didn't Jesus know that Adam and Eve were going to sin? He made provision just in case they did sin. He knew if they didn't sin, awesome. He would have what he wanted. He's immortal. God the Father's immortal. The Holy Spirit's immortal. The angels are immortal. And now the humans made in the image of God would have been immortal. And we would have been able to roam this whole universe without any fear of death. All these mysteries that he put out there. We could go out there and explore like Star Trek. But he made provision that just in case we made the wrong decision. That he would sacrifice himself for us. Because he loved us that much. John 3.17 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come here to beat you over the head about your sin. He knows the sin you've done. He knows the sin that I've done. But he's offering forgiveness. That's the whole story of this King James Bible. He made us in his image. He had a special purpose for the human race. The human race blew it. And he decided, you know what, I'm not going to destroy him. I'm going to orchestrate the hands of history. And I'm going to show them love. And I'm going to show them mercy. And yes, I'm going to show them judgment when I have to. And they may not understand why I'm judging the way I'm judging. But trust God, he knows what he's doing. In the fullness of time. After trying to reach the human race one way in the Old Testament and the human race kept rejecting him. In the fullness of time, God decided, you know what? I'm going to go down there myself. And I'm going to meet with my creation. And I'm going to offer myself for them as the plan was. And for those who accept what he did on that cross, we get forgiveness of sins. You don't got to buy it. You don't got to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't got to go door to door, knocking on people's door, trying to recruit them into some group in order for them to make it to the kingdom. No, if that was all that was necessary, Jesus would not have had to die. You don't got to ride your bicycle around with your badge on trying to recruit people into a group. No, if that all was necessary, Jesus would not have to die. You do not have to be religious. If that's all that was necessary, Jesus would not have had to die. Jesus did all the work, all the work, all the work. You don't have to do nothing. All you have to do is come to him and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. How hard is that? And mean it. Repent. Feel sorry about the sins that you've done, understanding that he took those whips for you, those whips to his back. He took it for you. Those nails in his hands, he took it for you. 
that beating that he took, he took it for you. Tell him, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for what I've done. Would you forgive me? And the Bible says, whoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. I don't care what your sin is. He knows what your sin is. He's willing to erase it. Make it all good, all clean, all gone. Do I got to stop drinking to come to Jesus? No. You got to stop drinking and smoking to come to Jesus? No. You got to stop cursing to come to Jesus? No. He'll take you just like you are, but he will not leave you as you are. He'll take you like you are, but he won't leave you as you are. He's going to change you. That's the story of the Bible. Sinners who are shaking their fists in God's face begin to realize, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus did all this for me? Whoa. And he's offering me what? Forgiveness? And a new heaven and a new earth where there's no pain and no sickness and no death and no suffering and... But, but you don't know what I've done. Well, it doesn't matter what you've done. He's willing to forgive it. Will you let him forgive it? He said, that's too easy. Yeah, too easy for you. You didn't have to have your back whipped. You didn't receive nails in your hands and you didn't hang on a cross, but he did. And all he asked for us to do is to accept what he did as the payment for our sins, and it's settled. He takes it from there. So will you let him? Why did the loving God create hell? He created it as a place to judge angels, not as a place to judge humans. When the humans decided to commit the same sin, hell became a place where humans ended up going, but it was never designed for us. Therefore, God decided to intervene himself to make a way and to be the way so that the human race would not have to go to hell. That way, you don't have to go to hell. It's your decision. If you end up in hell, it's because you chose to go to hell. And you chose to go to hell by rejecting Jesus. But you didn't have to. It's not because God sent you. He didn't send you. You chose to go because you rejected his death on the cross as the payment for your sins. How much easier can it be? A rich man can come to Jesus and ask forgiveness. A poor man can come to Jesus and ask forgiveness and you'll get forgiveness. How hard can it be? You don't have to go to hell. Jesus paid the price so you wouldn't have to go. And there's no reason to be angry at God for making hell. You should be happy that he made hell in order to contain these evil angels. So that in the new heaven and the new earth, you won't have to worry about them ruining everything. You can finally live in perfect peace as the Bible promises. So that's why the loving God created hell. And he also made a way for you and I to have our sins forgiven. Come to Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Repent and feel, feel bad about the sins that you've done. And get yourself a King James Bible. Authorized King James Version, not the so-called New King James, all these other altered versions. Stick with the good old-fashioned authorized King James Bible if you speak English. Speak, stick with this, you can't go wrong with this. And I hope this has helped make the topic understandable. If you have any more questions, just leave it down in the comment section. And uh, I really hope this has helped a lot of you understand why did the loving God create hell. And I hope it's also let you see that the love that he has for us is a lot more that I could present here, but I'm trying to keep the message short. But there's a lot more here.
and uh, I guess I'll see you guys down the road. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.